Recorded live in Japan, Israel, and Morgantown, West by God, Virginia, with your hosts, Kevin Jones, Deshaun Butler, John Flowers, and our lovely co-host, Ashley. This is the Final Forecast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Deshaun Butler, and I'm joined today by our produ- with our producer, Dave, for a special episode of the Final Forecast. Dave, what's up? Hey, Dave. How's it going? Good. I can't complain. And as you know, we have a very, very, very special guest today, an expert who's going to be talking about all things coronavirus. You know him. He's your boss, Dr. Clay yep. Marsh. Be nice. Don't get me fired. I will try my best to get you fired. I love the pressure I'm putting on you right now. Dr. Clay Marsh. Uh, he's the, the vice president and the executive dean of health sciences at West Virginia University. So uh, he'll give us, you know, all the information we need to know about why the sporting events are shut down. And we're also going to find out a little bit more about why and what's going on in general. So I'm excited. Yep. Uh, we've had a lot of people say, oh, March Madness is closed. Oh, it's it's down. It's done. It's not happening. And that's sad for the athletes and the sports people in general and the fans. But there's a big reason behind it and i think clay will help us uh learn some stuff about it so everybody else i know this is jaw-dropping information but don't touch your face yeah let day touch your face but nobody else no one else because that's how you get sick that's how you get pink eye so i don't usually introduce segments on here but uh i am joined here with Deshaun butler and my boss clay marsh who is the vice president and executive dean for health sciences at west virginia university and he's here to tell us about COVID-19, the coronavirus. Clay, can you give us a brief update? Like what's going on and what's happening now? And how did this all start? And first sure, of all, Dave. thanks for joining the show, Clay. Thanks for joining oh, the show. You're welcome, Deshaun. It's my pleasure. And I would say that you guys have the greatest podcast in the world and have the greatest Thank you, team. sir. So, so Thank you, sir. Really, really briefly, this is a, uh, a pandemic, David and Deshaun. This is the first time that we've had a pandemic in our lifetime. The last one was 1918. And the problem with a pandemic, it means that this infection has basically spread everywhere. It's an infection that started in bats and moved to people. And therefore, we don't have any native immunity. We can't take care of the virus. And the virus seems to replicate. It it seems to get in its highest concentrations oftentimes before people are even sick, so they don't even know that they have the virus. The virus has infected now well over 100,000 people around the world, and it's growing every day in the numbers, and about 4,000 people have, um, have died from this. And if you look at the projections in the United States, for instance, people are projecting that up to two-thirds of the U.S. population may be infected with the virus. And overall, the virus um, is likely going to have a death rate of somewhere between 1% and 2%. The 1918 um, pandemic uh, had a death rate of 2.5%. This was a virus called H1N1, which we actually just yeah. had about five years ago here. Uh, and, and so the real key for us is that we want to be able to identify who has the virus before they get sick and prevent them from spreading the viruses quickly to other people. Because so many people will get infected, and most people will do fine, have a viral illness type thing, 
But because so many people get infected, what we want to prevent is what we've seen in Italy and maybe, as Deshaun was saying, that maybe what they're thinking about uh, maybe seeing it in Israel, which is we don't want a big tsunami wave to crash down on all of our healthcare sort of assets, our healthcare workers, our ability to take care of really, really sick people. We want it to come in a more of a steady state. And the way you do that is you reduce the rate of speed of transmission of the virus. And you do that by really effective screening and quarantining and separating people, which is the reason why we've gotten to the point where we're not doing you know, pro basketball games, pro hockey games, pro, you know, all these things. And all the universities are moving the students out too, because you're trying to reduce the closeness and the person to person spread that we can see with this virus. So where do you think it is uh, in your personal opinion? Obviously we can't really uh, know off the top of our head. I can't really get a grasp of it, even if it's documented or not, but where do you think it is? in West Virginia, as far as like, a, as far as a number, if possible, or do you think it's really like a big, big, a bigger number than we even have written down in our Absolute, state? Absolutely. So when you look at, you know, right now, Dejan, we are the only state in the country that has not had a documented person with the, the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, but we've yeah. only tested about 24 people. So when we look at the incidents across other places, you know, we would guess that we have, you know, thousands of people that are infected with the COVID-19 virus in West Virginia. And we know across our country, we're starting to see the very early signs of people getting sick, you know, NBA stars, um, you know, the uh, prime minister of Canada, the prime yeah. minister of Brazil. So you're seeing it spread all over the world. Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita Wilson, were diagnosed but I think what we haven't seen, that's just sort of the appetizer part of this. When it comes to the main course, which people are projecting won't happen in the U.S., maybe till you know, early, mid-May, even into June, is where people start getting sick. And we know that this is a virus that for older and sicker people, it has much more dramatic problems in. In 1918, the virus, the H1N1 virus, really affected 20 to 40-year-olds. This virus yeah. is really, really problematic in people over 60, but particularly people over 70 and over 80 with health problems. Smoking is a big one. Obesity is a big one. Heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, all those things make things worse. And Italy is seeing a 6% death rate, and their whole system is being overwhelmed by the number of sick people that are all coming up. Mm. So smoking like that cigarettes, that's marijuana, that's anything that you ingest into your uh, into your lungs that, uh, you know what I mean? Is it? It is. is it, it or is. is it just and tobacco? Oh, no, okay. It's cool. anything. It's, it's any kind of any kind of lung injury that you have. Um, it makes mm -hmm. the virus have a higher likelihood of getting to the lower part of your lung and causing pneumonia. And lung failure, not being able to breathe, is the most common reason why people are dying with this problem. Wow. So like uh, for our fans as well, like um, which I'm pretty sure they've heard, but uh, even then it's always good to reiterate these things. How do you, uh, how does it spread? Excuse me. Yeah. So most people are thinking today that it spreads by droplets 
and and droplets are really the way that like the flu spreads so that you sneeze or you cough or you you know or you mess with your face your nose your mouth and you put your hands yeah. down and those little droplets kind of stay around on the stuff that you touch and then other people touch it and then they put their hands to their face and then they get infected or somebody around them sneezes or coughs and doesn't do the appropriate thing by coughing into the crook of their elbow or covering their mouth with a handkerchief or a Kleenex that they throw away. And we don't wash our hands very much. So we would say mm. to people, one of the most important things you can possibly do, stay away from sick people and wash your hands and try to keep your hands away from your face. And we would tell people, Deshaun, that people should wash for 20 seconds with regular mm. hand soap and, and that's in between the fingers and the wrist, which means you sing happy birthday twice or you do your ABCs or country roads. you sing country roads. Exactly. <laughs> or, you use, or use the hand sanitizer and make sure you get it all throughout in between the fingers and the wrist, but just be careful because it's so common for us to pick up some food. You know, you shouldn't be sharing chips or tortilla chips or whatever with other people. Be very careful about, you know, eating out of a community kind of, hand level um food source for me i think the most disgusting thing is everyone is doing better at washing their hands now because i think clay i think i talked to you and it was like 90 percent of people don't wash their hands properly that's right and you think about washing your hands all that stuff the second you pick up your phone where was that phone yep yeah it transfers onto that now now let me just also say though david and deshaun that is really important you know, it's almost certain that a huge number of the people in the U.S. and around the world are going to get infected with this virus. So, so to pretend like you can keep from getting infected is probably very naive. What we're really trying to do is we're trying to control the rate of infection so it doesn't just go like a spark that lights the forest on fire and the fire gets out of control. We're really trying to make it so that we are controlling the rate of spread. And again, for almost everybody, over 98, 99 even perhaps percent in some places, percent of the people, you're gonna be okay. I mean, maybe five to 10% of healthy people will need to go in the hospital and maybe one and a half percent of healthier people, you know, generally that are older, you know, 70s and 80s might die of this, but most everybody's just going to get like a viral illness, like the like the flu, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse. There's a study that looked at 18 people in China that had high amounts of virus, and almost everybody was either very mildly symptomatic, and one person didn't even have any symptoms. So, so this is not like a killer disease in most people. Mm-hmm. But the problem is it spreads very quickly and it spreads. If we don't know who has it, we can't tell. And when you can't tell who has it, that's when people can spread it, you know, and, and, and cause other people to do it. So each person who's infected can infect between 2.6 and 3.1 people. And if you look at influenza, the flu, it's about one yeah. person infects 1.2 people. So this is a very highly transmissible infection and you can tell if you have one person that does three people and then two people 
you know, do six people and three people do nine people. And so as you keep going, this thing really takes off in a, in a logarithmic way. So it starts to kind of go viral. And that's what we're starting to see in parts of the world like Italy and the United States and, and maybe some other countries have an opportunity to test very strongly and to be able to know who's infected. But if you look at it on a per capita basis, like how many people in the country and then how people tested, we have tested fewer people than Thailand, Croatia, and many other countries like that. And so that's when the panic kind of kicks in a little bit because you're like, wow, like you could be around people and they could be sick and so on and so forth. Do you think it would be smart to, to for in America especially, because you know, that's where we're from, but uh, yep. to, quarant- to quarantine for two weeks and, and after those two weeks, like have a legit national quarantine in our state, in, our, in the state to me. And just I, I, everybody, my law has to stay in their apartment and in their houses and, and all these things so that they could uh, figure out who has it if they do have it after these two weeks. And then you can treat them and if there's no one that has it and it just goes away. Yeah, then, man, that, that, that would be a very aggressive move. You know, yeah. I think if you can't test very broadly, that is an option. You know, America is a much more complex place, as you know, Deshaun, and you know, as opposed to say Israel or Italy, that would be like a state in America. Um, yeah. But but I think that the whole the whole goal, like has been done in South Korea and 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 Hong Kong and other you know places, is to really try to ramp up testing. So that we know who, you know, because if you basically start to test everybody, then you figure out who's, you know, who's infected and who's not. And again, we're not going to stop infection because this is a pandemic. Pandemic means it's everywhere and people are getting infected. And for us, the other thing is we'll need healthcare workers and other vital workers to be able to go to work so that they actually can take care of people or get sick. We're just trying, though, to reduce the rate of spread. So we don't want a tsunami wave to hit us like they have in Italy. We want to create a much more constant flowing stream of people who might need healthcare help. But I think that many countries are trying different things to try to limit the spread and the rate of infection. And so if you're and Italy's trying to do it, but in, in general, once the tsunami starts to hit, it's maybe too late. Then you have mm-hmm. to figure out what emergency sort of measures you can take. It's a time before the tsunami hits that you really want to do all this work on the quarantining and all that. But, but you know, there's many strategies. And I think that this, it just reflects the fact that we have never had this kind of experience before. How long do you think it'll last? Well, I think that at this point, from the um, United States level, at least, people have projected that, you know, eventually maybe two thirds of our population will get infected. And the people that I trust thinks that the peak of what's going to happen here will probably be late May, early June. Hmm. That's not the end of it. That's the peak. That's just the peak. All right. Well, that's pretty. I mean, that's hopeful. Hopefully, obviously, uh, our fans and everybody else in the country doesn't get. We're pulling for you, but you know, we hear we hear like that two thirds. We hear that term, yeah. uh, Clay, peak. Like to many people, they say, "Oh, in June it's going to peak. Then it'll be okay." What happens? after that level, after that point? Well, I think, David, that's a really important question. You know, the thing that we're really worried about, so when we look at the way that we get equipment in the United States and get antibiotics and drugs, 
you know, we are dependent, we're part of an integrative world. So for instance, we're now trying to increase screening of people with COVID-19. And what we found is we're seeing a huge reduction in some of the material that we need to test, partially because that material is made in Italy. And Italy right now is chaotic. So they're not making stuff anymore. Part of the protective equipment we use, the masks, the gowns, the gloves come from China. And China has used a lot of that themselves, and they're just starting to get back into the manufacturing. So we are so dependent, interdependent as a world, that when something happens one place, it reverberates every place. And so I think that as we go, like if you see in Italy right now, you know, Italy in certain parts and very rich parts of Italy, they basically made decisions that they will not, they don't have enough technical uh, support with mechanical ventilators, you know, breathing machines, et cetera. So if you're over 70 years old in parts of Italy, you don't get a ventilator, you know, and if that means that you're going to die, you die because they don't have enough equipment. And so, you know, as we look at what happens during this peak, we're really worried about supporting, you know, the healthcare workers and making sure there's enough workers to come in and take care of sick people and, and to make sure we have enough protective equipment for those workers, which is also in great shortage, and to make sure we have enough equipment to support the people that are coming in. You know, in many hospitals in Italy, they have critically ill people on mechanical ventilators in hallways of hospitals because they have no other place to put them. So, so I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen yeah. here, but I do think that there's going to be a huge, there's a huge stress on our system. And I think that what you'll see is that many things that we'll be used to day to day, like the sports games and all this, will change and probably change indelibly after that, because we're really getting pressured. All of our systems are getting pressured. And part of that makes people nervous. And, but, but it also helps us understand where are those parts that we need to fix and where are those parts that we need to make better so that this doesn't happen again. And I feel like that you'll see a lot of stress on our systems, a lot of stress on trust and a lot of fear for a while. And then after a while, just kind of like, you know, 9-11 or other things like that. And I'm not saying it's going to be as bad as 9-11 here, but I think you'll see people come together and we'll change and we'll improve. And I think that we already see people really coming together as communities, people working together with a really shared and strong purpose. It's really it's quite inspiring in, in some other ways. So the 9-11 point, like after 9-11 happened, we made serious adjustments to like what we were allowing to happen or allowing in a country and not in a country, just as far as like security. Yeah. Do you think that after this pandemic that the universal healthcare should be really like really, really looked at? Do you think we're not getting the numbers we're supposed to get because people are afraid, either afraid to come in because they can't afford to, afraid to come in, obviously, because when people get sick, they have a fear of finding out things like numerous reasons of why people may or may not come in to get checked out. And then obviously the tests, not being many tests possibly. But do you think that the universal healthcare should be looked at a little bit more as far as in, like as far as our country looked into? I, Deshaun, I think that's a really good point. I would say that there's going to be many things to change after this, in my opinion. You know, there's a guy from Minnesota who's an infectious disease guy. His name is Michael Ulsterholm, I believe. And he predicted in 2005 
that we were very ill-prepared for the next pandemic and it would be potentially catastrophic in our country. And so he was a very much of a sage. And he said that because the way our health system has sort of changed, we have become a, you know, a very big and very um, high money-making business. And it's, a, you know, it's an important business and we do a great job of taking care of sick people. And there's really well-intentioned people in medicine for sure. But we have you know, relied on uh, a just-in-time supply chain. So we don't have a big stock of things, inventory of masks and gowns and gloves. We order it as we need it because having a big inventory would cost us a lot of money. So our system doesn't have much flexibility. You know, We're very full. We're very busy. We have a lot of technology. We're constantly doing things and, and, and trying to keep really sick people you know, a lot, you know, create the place for really sick people to be. But what it's done is it's taken away any reserve or resilience or capacity. So I think we'll go back and relook at even the way that we do things in hospitals and healthcare in our country. And I do think having some opportunity, Deshaun, like we've done with Medicaid expansion, to look at healthcare as, as really a right of everybody and a responsibility of any type of westernized country with the kind of money that we have. So whether it's universal health care or some other mechanism to make health care mm-hmm. affordable and accessible and available, I think that that's going to happen in the future as well. Are there glimmers of hope that you're seeing from like the, is it the Hubei district where Wuhan is? Um, yes. Uh, that their cases are really slowing down. Obviously they've had uh, 80,000 plus cases, but yeah. things are starting to come back to life there. Is there yeah, a glimmer you know, of hope there that we can cl- latch onto reasonably? Yeah, of course, David. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the couple of things that you really start to understand is that, you know, we get so like out of sorts sometimes with the fact that, that we believe that all the important stuff is outside, you know, the jobs, the power, the money, the size of your house, the kind of car you drive and all this stuff. When this comes about, you realize that the really foundational gifts that we have, our health, our family, the people we love, the things that we find great purpose in, those things are so powerful. And you always see the spark and the divinity of the human spirit at work. Anytime we're stressed, you know, Mike Tyson said at one point, everybody's a great boxer till you start getting hit in the mouth. And I think that what we see is the human spirit really rises when people are challenged with things that threaten us. And when that happens, we usually start to come together versus pull apart. And you can see in China, you can see in South Korea, you can see even in Italy now, people are working together to try to help their neighbors, the people they love get through this. And we're always going to be better if we pay attention to what went wrong so that we can continue to evolve our concepts and, and our opportunities. So, so I think that, you know, we are, we are learning. We are not learning here as fast as I wish we had because it'd be nice to be better set up to test more people to know who has the, vi- the virus and who doesn't. But I think that, You see the wonder of the human spirit at work all over the place. And and when you read about people in very desperate situations in healthcare and and helping each other, it's really, it elevates you and inspires you 
to see how our love for each other and our commitment to each other really always shines in those kind of moments. So absolutely, we see a lot of, not only a glimmer of hope, we see huge, huge uh, shining lights of hope, but we also see that, you know, in order to get better, sometimes you have to go through some challenges and, and I think our world is going through a challenge and I believe our country is about to see a very big challenge. And a, light, and a lighter note, Doc, and I, I had to channel my inner John of Flowers right here. Um, All right. It's apparently there's uh, doctors in China that have, uh, you know, urged the male coronavirus guys to uh, test their fertility because the coronavirus may be attacking fertility. <laughs> I, I have to say, you, you, may, you may have to talk to Dr. Flowers about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say we're more worried about attacking male fertility than I know we've been okay through this, uh, through this pandemic. <laughs> Well, if that's the case, uh, we'll uh, wrap it up right here. Is there anything you want to tell people listening that may be worried or concerned like before you get out of here, Doc? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've maybe been a little bit dark in some of the things that I've said as far as my <laughs> concern. But, but the bottom line is, I mean, I think that that's true. And we're, we're facing something we've never faced before. But like I said before, most everybody is going to be okay from this. You know, if you're really, if you're 70 or 80 years old and, and you have health problems, you should probably try to stay away from a lot of people right now. It's probably a good time to kind of, you know, hole up and uh, enjoy whatever streaming series that you like on Netflix or whatever. Um, but for a lot of people, this is just going to be a viral illness and they'll get better. And this is part of the world we live in. We had Ebola and SARS and TB and, and uh, you know, it's, and we make it through all those and we'll make it through this as well. This is just part of our life. But if we do it right, we care about each other and we also learn from this so that we help the world be better, you know, after this is over. And I think that that will certainly happen. Well, you heard it here, people. Listen to Dr. Clay, quarantine and chill and relax, and uh, everything will be fine in due time. Very good. You guys be, be well. Thank you, I man. Appreciate I really appreciate you. you coming on, Clay. Okay, yeah, pleasure. Be well, guys. See ya. This is the final forecast.